Good morning, church. This morning, we have a guest preacher with us this morning. This morning, the Reverend Stephen Kendall will be preaching. Stephen is the principal clerk of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in Canada. And what that means is he serves our denomination to ensure that all things are done decently and in order. In this capacity, he also represents our denomination to the broader church, including by serving on the Canadian Council of Churches. Stephen is known to Knox as recently he served as our interim moderator for my call to be your associate minister, and he's also been reappointed as interim moderator to help our congregation to call a senior minister. So he'll become a familiar face, and we're very glad to have him here. Would you pray with me as Stephen prepares to preach God's word? God, we're grateful for your word. And we're grateful for Jesus, who is the word who came to be among us. And the way that Jesus teaches us using stories and parables and the way that these stories transcend time and continue to speak to us and to our lives today. And so we pray for our ability to hear your word in our lives, that you would use Stephen and the message he's prepared to speak to our life individually and our life together as a church and that we would be transformed by your words, Jesus. We pray this in your name and for your kingdom's sake. Amen. Thank you, Nick, for the introduction. I'm really glad to be with you today. Um, and I have to say, it's a real blessing to be in a sanctuary. Um, for so many months now, uh, my experience has been to be recording sections of a service at a desk and watching services on a Chesterfield, and to be here with your wonderful worship team and live streaming team is, is a blessing indeed. I hope we communicate that to you as well. As Nick said, I was inter-moderator for, for his uh, call as associate minister. I really appreciated working with the session and the search committee. And I think it was five days after I was discharged from that responsibility that the presbytery appointed me to uh, help facilitate your search for the next senior minister. The presbytery believes Knox is in a good position to uh, move forward and ready to move forward to a search for a senior minister. I met with the session uh, this past week and they agree with that. And so we look forward to doing just that. That doesn't mean it will happen quickly. These things take time. There's a process that will meet the needs of Knox Church and the processes of the Presbyterian Church in Canada. So we'll proceed at the right pace. Calling a minister is a process of prayerful discernment. And so I ask for your prayers, for the session as they guide the process, for the search committee when it is appointed, for Nick and the rest of the staff as they bear additional responsibilities in these days, and for the congregation as it continues to strive to fulfill its gospel mission here and around the world. And also, pray for whoever God may be nudging toward being your next senior minister. You may contact me, if you like, directly at the national office uh, where I serve as Clerk of Assembly, or through Nick or Ray, your Clerk of Session, if you have any questions about the search process. Today we continue on our journey with Jesus through Lent. Lent is a period of reflection as we set our eyes on, our eyes on the cross and past the cross to the resurrection of Jesus and the life that he gives through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Lent has not always been popular in the Reformed tradition. Reformers turned away from the penitential idea that in Lent especially, you could do things to earn God's favor. Now admittedly, we retain a little bit of this in the idea of giving something up for Lent, nothing wrong with a bit of discipline. But rather, the Reformers argued that we are saved by grace alone, not through any good works. We don't have to earn God's favor by denying comforts or pleasures. Jesus made final peace for us with God through his suffering, death, and resurrection. These are the things we're really remembering during Lent. And as we immerse ourselves today and in the coming weeks in the words of Jesus, we pray that it will make a difference to who we are and what we do as Christians. This is one way that we travel faithfully through Lent. This year, Knox is engaging with some of the stories and parables of Jesus as we do this. And today's parable is a doozy. I have to say from the beginning that on the one hand, the parable seems a bit strange to me, at least today. And on the other hand, it may be exactly something that speaks to today. That's getting a bit ahead of myself. We'll unravel that together. You can think of a parable as a little story that helps earth touch heaven. Medieval scholars used to allegorize parables so that each and every object and character seemed to have some sort of spiritual meaning that was concealed and not apparent at first and had to be interpreted. So maybe in this case, the barn might be heaven and the crops might be faith and so on and so on. But sometimes a barn is just a barn. And that's the best way to think about parables. Listen first to the story itself as a story. I hear what it says. Then maybe it'll point the way to a new way of thinking or behaving. Today's parable is set up in the first two verses. Two brothers are having a dispute. Here's an aside. If two brothers are said to be having a dispute, that probably means that Jesus recognizes that he was speaking to people in the world who tended to have disputes. But the younger brother wants his share of the inheritance. They are without a father, and sadly, the estate is causing a rift. When this happened, they would be eligible to go to a rabbi to have it resolved according to the laws. They go to Jesus for just this. Jesus says he doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. And who can blame him? If you have ever witnessed or been a part of a dispute over an inheritance, you know it can be bitter and sad, and rarely, if there's a dispute, is there a happy way forward. My grandfather had what he liked to call his doomsday book, and he regularly showed it to my father, who was his executor, or to be his executor. It laid out everything he could think of as a way to try to avoid conflicts or problems. He once said to me that we should treat our death like a gift to our families and do our best to make it a good gift. When he died at age 102, we were actually comforted by his preparation and my father had an easy time of things. We missed him very much and still do, but he did kind of give us a gift. Not so with the father in this parable, I'm afraid. 
and the younger son wants the money and wants it now. Not a recipe for good family relations. So Jesus, instead of helping them solve their problem, addresses what is underneath the problem, and it's greed. There's no two ways about it. The parable itself seems fairly straightforward. This is the story Jesus tells the brothers. A wealthy farmer wants to get wealthier by tearing down his barns and putting up bigger ones. Here's a rather beautiful painting by Rembrandt of Rembrandt's view of this man sitting at his desk late at night counting his coins. Some of them are loose on the table. Some of them are in bags. He's going through his ledgers, piled high all around him, adding up columns of figures alone in the dark, appearing to be thinking of one person. The parable implies through the repeated use of the word I that he could be helping others, but he's not. He's doing all he can to help himself. Jesus says that it's futile to focus on your riches because you won't be there forever to enjoy them. Now, I have to say, this is where to me, the parable is a little bit lost in translation, at least at first thought. This is a farmer we're talking about. We have a rural property on Amherst Island near Kingston and a house there where admittedly we have stored some of our crops, so to speak. On Amherst Island, like in most other places in this country, farmers struggle. And yet they are so very dedicated. They all pretty well have to do other things than farm to get by. One took a part-time job in the hardware store in town to make ends meet. You know the story. A farmer was asked what he would do if he were given a million dollars. He sits a spell, thinks for a minute, then says, I reckon I'd just keep on farming until it's all gone. One farmer on the island just built a bigger barn this year. It's for his cows. We all danced a jig when we heard about this. It was fantastic news that a farmer could be building a bigger barn and doing well. So appearing to chastise a farmer who's successful and maybe even calling him a fool seems odd to me. Farmers feed us. We need farmers. The more successful they are, the better. They deserve pride of place. Surely it's not the fact that it's a farmer that's the problem in the parable. But there is a problem. I'd like to think for a few moments together with you about the accumulation of lots of crops, or money, or whatever. A news report said this week that generally speaking, and we have to speak generally, people in Canada who were making more than $25 an hour before the pandemic have actually done better financially than they would have otherwise as a result of the pandemic. Those making less are doing worse. They're the ones, not exclusively of course, but they are more often the ones that are losing their jobs. During this monumental crisis of the pandemic, Canadians have amassed record savings, especially those who were doing well to start with. 
expensive vacations and gourmet dinners at restaurants and gasoline at 70 cents a liter or not buying it at all because you can't travel, these things used to consume a lot of money. Now they don't. The chief economist of the Bank of Montreal said earlier this month in an article that by year end 2020, uh, Canadians would have saved close to $200 billion. That's almost half the value of the entire Canada pension plan. Normally, Canadians save at about the rate of 1.7% of income. Last year, it was closer to 25% for much of the year. That money has not gone to help the vulnerable. It has gone into personal bank accounts and TFSAs and mutual funds. And that's exactly the advice the financial advisors were saying we should do in this particular article. It's good we're saving, they said. Keep doing it. Invest wisely in advantageous ways. Maybe splurge a bit on yourself because you have to stay happy. Did they say give it to your church? No. Did they say give it to the vulnerable? No. They said, build a bigger barn and put it in there while you can. I think Jesus is speaking to us. I know he's speaking to me, and it's not all that comfortable. Jesus is speaking to us. When the pandemic ends, and it will happen gradually, one of the questions being asked is how the health and well-being, especially of the vulnerable and those who have been at financial risk, will be ensured. Churches and others in society describe this as a just recovery for all. The Commission on Justice and Peace of the Canadian Council of Churches is working on this. They represent 26 denominations in Canada and have set this as an urgent priority. They'll be leading seminars about it at our May Governing Board meeting. The World Communion of Reformed Churches is mobilizing its partnership fund globally to support vulnerable communities around the world that are struggling with economic inequality in light of the pandemic. The Evangelical Fellowship of Canada has called on Christians to live generous lives through the pandemic. The movement called A Just Recovery for All is starting to take hold among churches. These are the principles for a just recovery for all. Put people's health and well-being first, no exceptions. Strengthen the social safety net and provide relief directly to people. Prioritize the needs of workers and communities. Build resi resilience to prevent future crises. Build solidarity and equity across communities, generations, and borders. Uphold Indigenous rights and work in partnership with Indigenous peoples. Christians, especially in Canada, are at a moment when their faith in action will be tested. We have an opportunity to mobilize our own resources for good, both here at Knox and beyond, and to advocate for a just recovery for all people in the months ahead. Now's the time to consider this. This is one parable where Jesus' words are starkly clear to us when he says, 
so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. We are blessed by God. We can be rich toward God. And you know, this does not need to cause us worry. No one regrets giving away too much when they look back on their lives. No one. In fact, if we follow Jesus' words in the very next verse after this parable, he says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, you do not need to worry about your life, what you eat. We've just been talking about crops. What, you're, what you will wear or about your body. God will care for you as God cares for the lilies of the field and even the tiniest bird. Even if we give away a bunch of crops in the service of being rich toward God, we will not need to worry about what we will have to eat. Once there were two brothers who inherited a father's land. The two brothers divided the land in half and they each farmed it, and it was a good farm. The older brother over time married and had six children. The younger brother never married. Uh, one day, the younger brother thought to himself, this is not fair. My older brother has six mouths to feed, plus he and his wife. We shouldn't be dividing the farm in half. I need to do something to help him. He thought for a while and he decided at night, after it's dark, he would go to his barn and pick up a sack of grain and carry it across and put it in his brother's barn. And so he did this, and he was glad that he could do something for his brother who had such great need. About the same time, the older brother thought to himself, it's not fair that we divide the farm equally. I have all these children to look after me in my old age, and my brother has none. I need to do something to help him. And he thought, he decided he would go to his barn after dark, pick up a sack of grain, and carry it across and put it in his brother's barn. And they both did this for some time. And each morning they were amazed that they didn't seem to be losing their grain. Then, of course, it happened. One night, they came out at the exact same time carrying the sack of grain, and they bumped into each other. They dropped the sacks of grain, they understood the mystery, they laughed, and they embraced each other. It said that God looked down and said, here I have seen great love. Thanks be to God for words and stories from Jesus and the promises of God. Amen. Let's take a few moments to just reflect. Um, what crops or resources do you have in your barn? How can you use them to follow Jesus, keeping in mind this parable? In what ways do you and Knox Church have a role in advocating a just recovery after the pandemic? <laughs>